If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer. I'm delighted to be back with you. I am still, I say on vacation, it's, it feels like a vacation, even though I am working just about every day. But to actually be away from the horrendous weather we have back in Ontario is a complete pleasure. And we've been in Needles, California for the past two weeks and we'll be moving on out today, in fact, to starting to head east to Dallas, Fort Worth, where I will fly out next week to the Vacation Rental Women's Summit. So I am so excited about that. I hope to see many of you there. And if you haven't contacted me yet just to let me know that you are going to the Women's Summit, please do so, because I'd love to meet you to get together and have a coffee with a few people and see what everybody's doing. So that's next week. Then after that, we will be heading down into Texas Hill Country for the month of March before heading back home to Ontario in early April, when I hope the snow will have gone. It's about time. I'm sure everybody who is who is still there at home is counting the days for spring to come because it's been a particularly brutal winter. I'm sure when we get back in the middle of April, there will still be snow and ice on the ground, but it won't be long and we'll be moving into the summer. And talking about moving into summer, we've been inundated this past couple of weeks with new owners, new owners who've bought properties over the winter and they're all they're getting them all prepared for rental for this year. So it's going to be really exciting to, when I get back to get to go out and see all these new places. So the topic of today's podcast is investing in short-term rental property. We have talked about this before, but it's been a, been quite a while and I wanted to bring along my friend and my now business partner Erica Muller who has been a guest with me three times before. Uh, Last time we talked about selling vacation rental properties because we know that's tough. We know that is tough to value and sell a short-term rental property and get the value out of it that you believe is there. Uh, This week, we're talking about investment, what you have to do if you're thinking about investing in a short-term rental property and perhaps in an area that is not familiar to you. There's so many people now that are buying properties in different areas to where their core property base is or their home base is. They've started their vacation rental businesses with properties near their home and have really got the bug, as we all do. And now they're thinking of investing in a different part of the country. So Erica has created the platform Vrolio, which is now open for business. So I know she's going to talk a little bit about that. And then I'm going to explore with Erica the things you need to know if you're going to be investing in a short-term rental property or in a property that you're going to turn into a short-term rental in an area that you're not familiar with. So it's really important to consider all the different aspects that will impact that purchase. So without further ado, let's head on over to my talk with my friend and my business partner, Erica Muller of Rolio.com. So I'm delighted to have with me once again, my friend, my business partner, uh, Erica Muller from Rolio.com. Friend, lovely to have you back on the podcast. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me back, Heather. I'm excited to be here. Well, you and I have been super, well, you've been, I, I think, 10 times as busy as I am. You just seem to be always on the go. Oh, yeah. Before we start, you just made another purchase. Yes, I did. It's been nonstop. You're right. Um, a mobile home park in Georgia, my second one. Wow. Wow. That, yeah. that, that, is, that is so exciting. I saw, oh, I love it. I saw that on the Facebook group and I thought, this is, this is really, really amazing. You're doing it twice over now. 
Thanks. Yeah, no, it, it was so great the first time around um, that I was just kind of like, well, there's a great deal here. Let's do it again. <laughs> and I'm kind of addicted. You know, I love real estate investing. It's my favorite thing. I've been doing it since I was 18, getting into the real estate space. I'm 35 now, so it's been a long time. And I just love it. I think it's such a safe bet with investing money in, into real estate. Well, this is this is what we're going to be talking about in in this episode is is actually buying a property. Last time we spoke, which was episode two hundred and thirty five, I think, which and we're now at two hundred and seventy something. So that would be thirty five weeks ago, I guess. So yeah, yeah, quite a while ago. But we talked about selling and how difficult people sometimes find it to sell a vacation rental because of the problems with the valuation and selling goodwill. And we hear this all the time, you know, the difficulties that people are having with selling. And we had a discussion then, and we were talking about Rolio at the time. So I'd just like to start with, where is Rolio now? I think it's pretty much live, is it not? Yeah, we're live. We, we soft-launched in December very quietly. Um, I haven't really told too many people just talking about it on Facebook and we're gearing up for our hard launch in about a month right after the Vacation Rental Women's Summit. So yeah, we're live and so far it's so good. Our early adopters are some, some of the most amazing people and I think they're getting a ton of value out of it so far from what they've told me. And we just keep working on way, looking at ways we can work on improving and giving a better user experience. Yeah, I think I think it's great. I've, as you know, I've been in and around the forums yeah. on, on there, and there's some really good discussions going on there. And the, you know, the topics are all focused on investing in property, buying, selling, the legal side, the legal uh, regulations and restrictions on vacation rentals, and how they they can impact a sale either way, either buying or selling. So there is a huge amount of interesting stuff on there. So for anybody who's thinking of buying or selling, you go to Vrolio.com and you get in there now. Cool. Thanks yeah. for mentioning that, Heather. <laughs> yeah, we, we're trying to be the ultimate authority on vacation rental investing. So we pride ourselves in being able to put all that information out there. And I'm excited to talk about it with you today. Well, yes, because, you know, we, we, as I say, we're going to focus on the actual investing side on buying because it, it seems everywhere you turn now, whether it's on Facebook groups or forums or even in the media, people are talking about investing in short-term rentals. It's a thing now, whereas five years ago, there were barriers almost from the investment community saying, oh, I'm not sure this is a good thing to get into. What do you think has changed over the past few years to make more people look at investing in the short-term rental market? It has been crazy how many people have just, over the last few years, all of a sudden started wanting vacation rentals like crazy, whereas it used to be a very niche investment. Um, I really believe a lot of it is due to the economy in, I know in America, the economy has been really good the last few years, three, four years, and domestic investors have really started investing hardcore, whereas it took about three or four years-ish after the collapse for people to really start stepping back quietly, like just tipping their toes in the real estate investing market here, other than the international money. So I think the domestic investors have really taken things up a notch now that it's sort of mainstream with Airbnb. I do credit a lot of the attention to vacation rentals to Airbnb being so mainstream and because so many millennials stay in Airbnbs and it's a preferred method of travel now, vacation rental, or I'm sorry, just regular real estate investors in general can't ignore it anymore. And there's so much chatter and talk. They hear people saying, well, you can make twice as much money with your home as a vacation rental instead of a long-term rental. And obviously they get curious and they start running numbers and they see that the numbers are more lucrative. Um, I think there's a lot of information that they're not getting um, out there up front, such as the involvement and how to run them. But the numbers are definitely what is piquing the interest to all of these real estate investors that used to only be long-term rental or commercial type investors. Yeah, so something that I've something that's really come to mind over the past couple of couple of months, maybe the last year or so, is to, you talk about Airbnb being out there now. It, it's taken this whole vacation rental market away from just the destinations, and it's now more niche focused. You know, people can buy a vacation rental anywhere now. It doesn't have to be in the destination markets. Is is that what you're seeing? 
Yeah, definitely. It's not just in the destination markets. I mean, Airbnb has become so popular that people are looking at vacation rentals in pretty much every market where it's legal. And we can talk about the legal side of it, but um, it's pretty much opened that up to where you can turn any small niche market into a destination now. And with the whole Airbnb, um, it's the I forget what it's called, but it's the part of Airbnb where experiences, I think, now people can plan almost a whole vacation anywhere they go using the experiences part of it. And so if it's a small town that used to not be on the map, like Murphy, North Carolina, for example, which is a pretty small town that it was a drive to market that mostly locals would drive an hour or two or three to get to. Now it's it's out there and it's growing and you can get experiences there. My friend just bought an, uh, a bed and breakfast that she's renovating there. Um, and it's really picking up. So all these small towns that were kind of local, uh, tourists, tourists were local that were coming in from a couple hours away are now on the map. Mm-hmm. So I love that. I think it's awesome. I know. I've been, I've been, cause I've been traveling, you know, right across the, the, the U.S. this winter. And a couple of weeks ago, I was in Tombstone, Arizona. Now, oh. I'd never been there. Tombstone and Bisbee, and they are the neatest places. And so I sort of idly looked up on Airbnb to see how many properties there were. And it was I was quite amazed that that the number of properties and the diversity of properties, too, that Mm -hmm. people are clearly buying in that area because they can see there is a market for any sort of accommodation that people can. Yes, they can drive to. But people who are flying into perhaps Tucson or even Phoenix and doing drive driving tours, you know, the road Mm -hmm. trip is coming back. And people can go to places now like Tombstone, Bisbee, stop for a couple of nights, see all the sites and then move on again. I think we had that mindset a long time ago that when you go on vacation, you go for a week or you go for two weeks. And this is what Airbnb has done. It it has brought it all down to, you know, you can do the one night and the two night stops. Yeah. And and for, for somebody with a good property, they can be pretty much have full occupancy because of this flexibility of accommodation now. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think that's just really contributed to the heating up of the short-term rental investment space. Um, It's monkey see, monkey do, right? So when your neighbors or your friends see you doing really well with a vacation rental, then they want to start looking into it. Um, A lot of those smaller markets you're talking about are even people locally that are picking up more properties that are um, within driving distance of their own home that they can oversee. It's just really given a lot of people opportunities now to to get into this space, being that, like you said, the road trip is coming back, which is so cool because I think I just love road trips. Um, But it's a millennial thing, too. I mean, Millennials spend, I think, it, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know it's trillions of dollars on travel. They're, they, they spend more on travel than any other generation. And they're the ones that are demanding these type of properties. And if the demand is there, then the supply has to be there also. So, I mean, investors are just stepping in to meet the supply need. Yeah. So let's say I'm an investor and I'm thinking that, you know, I really want to get into this. First of all, how do you find these emerging markets? Good question. I mean, the way you really want to approach this before you even start looking at markets is you want to start looking at which are the markets that are safe. Because as an investor, you want to minimize risk as much as possible. And to do that with a vacation rental, you definitely want to look at regulations, restrictions, and what's going on with being able to legally do this. So the very first place to start is we're start, we need to look at the markets that are legal um, and that they're considered safe. One of the safest markets in the country is Arizona. And that's because Not only have short-term rental regulations been, there's been a state bill passed saying that regulations can no longer be further regulated by the individual municipalities. The only entity that has any power to regulate is the HOA and within HOA communities. So that's a really safe bet for an investor to, to first identify those markets that have these bills by the states passed saying that no more further regulation can happen. So your risk is, is minimized quite a bit because you know that If you buy there, even in five years, the worst case scenario, nothing can be changed. They'd have to go through a very big process just to get that that bill thrown out and pass a new one. I mean, it it would be a nightmare. So those are pretty much the safest bets you can make. So as an investor, you always want to assess your risk 
first. Um, and that would be the very first place to start. And there's multiple states that have that the bill passed. Um, you can find those on the, the Zone Watch map on Verlio. Arizona is one of them. And the reason I bring Arizona up is because it's such an incredible tourist state, too. Like, there's just so much there. Grand Canyon. Uh, every, you're there right now, aren't you? Uh, we are We are about two minutes across the border into California. But, yes, you know, I, I mean, as I say, we were in Tombstone, Bisbee, both, you know, just south of Tucson. I mean, it's a fabulous area. I didn't realize there were vineyards Oh yeah, in that area, and yeah, I mean, for and it's not just. I mean, granted, you know, it gets hot in the summer, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's a dry heat. Yes, um, but there, but there is a, a big market, and it was interesting that um, years ago I was looking at uh, Sedona for investing in. You know, such a popular tourist area. But at that time, the, the, they, they had a really tight restriction on 30 days, uh, 30 days or more. You know, you could not rent for less than 30 days. And of course, the Arizona state law took that out. And now that, that's opened that market right up in Sedona again. So awesome. Yeah. And from an investor's perspective, you know, it's safe because of that right there. Um, so we, we definitely want to look at that first. We want to pay attention to those states and markets that have those state bills passed. Once you've identified that, then obviously you want to start looking at property values, demand, supply and demand always, of course. So, you know, you want to look at the markets where the supply it does not exceed the demand. A good example of that would be a market like Orlando, for example, you would think that the supply far the demand I'm sorry the supply far exceeds the demand but the the reality is is the demand far exceeds far out exceeds the supply I can't sorry Heather <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about so in Orlando for example even though there's upwards of 24,000 vacation rentals here the amount of tourists coming in there are so many it's upwards of 60 million at this point to of tourism coming into Orlando that it doesn't matter because there's just so much of a demand for it. So you don't have to worry if you buy something, is there going to be enough people, is the demand there? So obviously you want to look at supply and demand and doing the research on how many people are traveling to the state, where they're going when they come to the state, which parts of the state they're going to, where they're coming from. That would be definitely the next thing you want to look at before you even start looking at the property values is supply and demand. When you identify the markets that have that really good supply and demand ratio, then you want to start looking at property values and, and rental income, which AirDNA is a great tool to do that. And I, what's really cool is I just talked to Scott the other day. They are now going to be incorporating not just Airbnb data, but HomeAway data also. So it will really start to give a full picture of what's going on in that market. Oh, that's so, cool. That, that's, yeah, really that's cool. good news. Really good news, yeah, because it's hard to get a full picture when you're only looking at one OTA, but when you're bringing in the two you know, OTAs, they're just almost polar opposites because we know HomeAway has completely different rates on there than Airbnb does, and it's a different market. Mm -hmm. um, so now they're going to have that data, which is really cool. So I'm excited about that. So you can use a tool like AirDNA to start identifying market markets in general that have good cap rate returns. And then when you start identifying those markets – um, then you can use a tool like Rolio to come over, come over and start looking at actual inventory. So that's kind of the four-tier process that I always say is start with the regulations, then go down to supply and demand, then go down to looking at market data, figure out which markets you're interested in after looking at those three, and then you can find the actual inventory on, on a site like Rolio or which is the easiest, but you can find it anywhere, Zillow, whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, those are great tips. Now, let, let's move on to the help that people can get because investors can be busy folks and maybe, you know, they're going to need a fair amount of help in identifying these properties. How do they go about finding a realtor who knows this stuff? Well, what's up until now, what's really cool is there was really never a way to locate a realtor that knows this stuff without having to go through a ton of different emails and quiz, quizzing them on the phone. Um, there's the certification that you and I have worked on, the certified vacation rental agent. Obviously, that would be the easiest and best place to start is to find a certified vacation rental agent in the market because they've been trained. They're plugged into a training network. They're absolutely the best trained ones. And that's not a shameless plug for our course. That's truly is the best place to start because there's no other education platform for them. Um, if you didn't want to go that route and you were already looking in a market and let's say 
you just wanted to start talking to agents, you know, while you're in town, you pick up a real estate magazine, you call some agents, you, you can start talk kind of interviewing them, quizzing them, seeing what their knowledge is by um, asking them questions about, you know, what are the properties here renting for? What are the cap rates looking at, lo looking like here? I always like to ask them about numbers and cap rates to see if they're familiar with investment formulas. Um, if they're smart and they know what they're doing, they're not going to quote you any direct numbers but they will give you some information such as, well, you can take a look at this area right here, these, this community, this is what they're doing, um, this is what it's looking like as far as net operating income for this many bedrooms. They start talking about NOI, which is net operating income, uh, even cap rate numbers uh, and rental income rates, and they can talk about that comfortably in a conversation on the fly. Then you are most likely dealing with somebody that understands what they're doing. If they start kind of beating around the bush and saying things like, well, I, I'd have to first check into that one on, on the MLS. I'm not sure which house that is or what the restrictions are. They're most likely not familiar with the market, and they're probably going to go and do their research before they call you back. And so that's, that's not really an agent you want to get too roped in with for a vacation rental investment transaction. You should be able to get someone on the phone, and within three to five minutes, they're having a full-blown conversation with you about all of the numbers. Yeah. So what, what would raise a red flag? Now, if you're trying to find an agent and you've got them on the phone, what should you look out for? I mean, you, you just mentioned if, the, if they're saying, well, I'll, I'll go off and find that information and come back to you. Uh, so that, that's certainly a, a red flag. W would there be any others? Yeah. I mean, and don't get me wrong. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with needing to check on somebody before giving somebody wrong information. But in that context, I just kind of meant that if they couldn't answer any of your questions in a generalized way. But as far as a red flag goes, if they utter the word guarantee about anything, that's a major red flag. That's a scamming type of agent that's looking to just get your money, put you in something. If they ever try to guarantee you any kind of income, you don't want to do business with an agent like that. Another red flag would be if they have given you wrong information such as on short-term rental regulations. So they tell you, yeah, it's definitely legal. It's no problem. And come to find out you've done your own research and it is, it's definitely a problem there. So you don't really know up front because a lot of agents are good talkers, but if they can't, I would say it's not necessarily a red flag, any specific phrase, but if they can't comfortably talk about numbers and neighborhoods and communities and income, like within two minutes of you asking them these questions while on the phone, then they're probably just not familiar with it. And that in and of itself is a red flag. I think most people are pretty well uh, educated enough to know when someone is kind of making stuff up mm -hmm. and when they're not. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know what you mean. I've bought a number of properties myself, invested in, in seven over the years. And I think I've mentioned this to you before. We made some, some major errors at the outset by not asking the questions. And I think if we'd gone along with some of these agents that were telling us we could make x amount of dollars guaranteed from a property then we would have been in a difficult situation in a very short space of time i think for sure i mean and that's the thing is there's a lot of agents out there that will say anything to get the sale they won't turn business away even if they're not qualified to do it and that's the interesting thing with real estate is that once you have a real estate license outside of that there's really no governing force that tells you what you can and can't take on so, I mean, I could make a, a phone call right now to an agent and say, I want to buy a $10 million apartment complex. And that agent's probably going to be like, oh, yeah, I know all about that because they want to get a $10 million sale and they know nothing about it. So that's really the scary part about it is like, how do people, how do you know what they actually know? And so the questions that you just want to be asking them is, you know, which neighborhoods are vacation rental friendly? And what are the HOAs like in there? How many homes have you sold that are vacation rentals? Can I talk to some of your clients that have bought vacation rentals? Would they be open to speaking to me so I can understand their experience? What kind of cap rates are your clients seeing? What's their net operating income on average? Uh, when's your slow season? When's your high season? When's your peak season? That type of stuff. I mean, an, any agent that doesn't sell vacation rentals is not going to be able to answer those questions. They're just not. So the more you ask, the more questions you ask about specific information such as that, the more you'll get a feel for their comfort level of discussing it with you. 
Yeah, I th that's that's great advice, and this is um, particularly the case in with, with these niche markets we're talking about, because mm -hmm. in in the destination markets, you know, um, the outer banks or um, you know, thirty A down in the Florida Panhandle, Orlando, I would imagine that most agents have a really good idea of what happens in in the vacation rental business, but. In these smaller markets, that's where I think people mm -hmm. could, could get into problems, and particularly on the regulations and restrictions side. If, um, if they're relying on an agent who maybe hasn't had any training or understands the impact of even a, a smallish restriction, they could get themselves into, into trouble fairly easily. I remember talking to an owner uh, a while back, a year or so back, who had just bought a, a condo unit and wanted to rent it out and to only to find that it was uh, it, there was a restriction on it and he was not able to rent it for less than 30 days oh wow yeah that happens yeah it happened a lot too and and that's the problem with agents is they just don't know mm -hmm. and and you know as an investor and i think they should take investors should take some level of responsibility too for their own transaction of course, we need to be able to trust real estate agents. Absolutely, 100%. They have a license. We should be able to trust them. But at the end of the day, it's your money. And you can't trust anyone more than yourself So with your money. And because of all the great tools that are out there for investors to start doing their own research, uh, it's good to get educated on what you're buying, the market you're buying in, at least on the regulations and restrictions. Do a little bit of research on that because... In the event that you are dealing with an agent that doesn't know what they're talking about, you you really don't want to put yourself in that position to be powerless like that when the information is so easily accessible out there. Mm -hmm. And I think something else just to, to mention on that whole regulation, regulations restrictions uh, area is that it, it's important not to just look at what is in place at the moment, but do that due diligence to find out what may be in the pipeline. Oh yeah, definitely. And that's, that's especially true with HOAs as well is it's not just the city that what the city has going on, um, what they're voting on. People are talking about, you definitely want to know what's going on with that, but HOAs as well. I mean, I've seen situations where it's currently allowed, but the HOA is trying to shut it down because two or three owners in the neighborhood don't want it anymore. So they're fighting it. You really want to look into that and find out, okay, even if it's legal right now, what could happen in the future? How many owners in this community want short-term rental? What is the, the absentee owner versus is you know primary resident owner ratio looking like? If you're going into a community where it's primarily residential owners living there full-time and it's 80% of them and then 20% investors, they have the upper hand on the vote when it comes to the HOAs changing things. So if you are the minority in a community of vacation rental owners in terms of who owns a vacation rental, you're going to be out of luck if a, if a bill or if they wanted to pass anything to change and amend the bylaws. So that's definitely one thing you want to look at outside of just looking at what's going on with the municipalities. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, you know, so something else to look at is the, um, the organizations that may be around in the area that are already lobbying and advocating for the short-term rental business. A couple of examples in, in uh, Seattle, there, there's a, an organization there that has worked tirelessly to fight the legislation that, that's headed their way. And the same in Nashville. And I'll put a plug out here for Megan McRae. She's, She's great. She is doing a fantastic job in Nashville and organizing uh, owners and managers alike to fight what is coming and it's coming everywhere mm -hmm. you know even in our even in our small municipalities up here in Ontario we're dealing with this and we have got together as a group of management companies to create that common voice so so that's definitely something for people to look for when they're looking in into an area and just see is is there a common voice out there that is going to be fighting on your behalf if something should happen in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so grateful for those that are out there fighting that good fight because I know that it's a fight and really to get involved with owners like that in markets where those are the advocacy groups are going on is just amazing. You, you're always going to have people backing you. 
Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything we've missed here? So if I, you know, if we've got the investor out there who's thinking, well, you know, I went past this little town on Route 66 and it looked like a great, I'm, it's because I'm sitting on Route 66 at the moment, it's in my <laughs> head. <laughs> so, you know, I walk, went past this great little town. It's, it looks like there were some tourists there and there was a vibrancy there and uh, it, it didn't look like it was shutting down, which some of those towns do. What else should they be looking out for? We talked talked about legislation and we've talked about um, supply and demand. What else is there? Well, we want to also look at in smaller towns like that is where what's drawing the people in, where are they coming from? How often are they going there? I'll give an example. When I was in Colorado, uh, I think it was in November for Thanksgiving holiday, I went through the town of Crested Butte, which is such an amazing mountain town. Katie Wiley Hall, I I know, I think you know Katie, she's one of the certified vacation rental agents. Mm -hmm. She owns a property there. That that market was just so amazing. So I got there and my first thought was like, wow, this is so amazing. This town's incredible. I'm I'm driving by all these homes nestled in the mountains that just were like little uh, dollhouses. And it was like a snow globe, right? getting all excited. And what I ended up finding out is after I was there for a day and I started to uh, look into the regulations, I talked to Katie, a certified vacation rental agent. I popped in some of the real estate offices, talked to some of the property managers that were there locally, is that you can go, when you get into the town, the beginning part of the town is completely not, you're not allowed to do vacation rentals. But if you drive a half a mile up the mountain and you cross over that this one little part of the mountain, everything becomes legal for a vacation rental. And that's the kind of stuff that's weird about these smaller markets is like they have these bizarre rules in place where you have to be like in a certain part of the town to be able to do it. So I come back to the whole thing about finding out the zoning and the regulations, but talking to locals, that's kind of what I did is talking to locals in these smaller markets and finding out what the locals know, because nobody knows more than the locals. Um, it doesn't matter what site you're on or what research you're doing. The locals know everything. So in these smaller towns, definitely talk to, if you see any, any owners outside of their home, just, you know, be friendly, talk to them, pop in the local real estate offices because the local real estate offices in these small towns know what's going on usually. Um, and you'll be able to weed out the ones that don't and talk to any management offices that you can pop in and talk to But in small towns, I mean, there's nothing like doing on the ground research when you're there. For sure. I mean, as an investor myself, that's what I do. Mm -hmm. You learn so much. I mean, I learned so much about that market just from talking to people in the town. I learned that Vail Mountain bought out the Crested Butte Mountain, and now they're going to be funneling a bunch of marketing dollars into that mountain, which is going to bring in a ton of tourism that's not there yet, which is going to drive property values through the roof in about a year. Um, I learned all this crazy information that would be that is so vital and important that you won't find on the Internet just from talking to people locally in this small town. That, again, great advice. And yes, it's a bit like, you know, we, we advise people that are, are going to start a vacation rental that they need to experience that experience being a guest. So they need mm-hmm. to go to a vacation rental and be a guest. So somebody who's investing in a place, you need to go there. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. 100%. Go visit it. Stay there. Get to know the town. Get to know the people. Uh, find a knowledgeable real estate agent there. You know, ask the questions we talked about. See what they know. Uh, but yeah, definitely being on the ground changes everything. It's a total game changer when you're looking to invest in a small market. Yeah, I've seen questions on forums where people have been saying, you know, I'm thinking about investing in, in a different market, you know, but they're not intending going there. They'll just do it on the uh, recommendation of a realtor, they, a real estate agent they find. And, and I'm sort of curling up at that one thinking, don't do this. Yeah, no, I mean, that's definitely risky because you're taking the advice. And I love real estate agents. I am one. Um, our whole network of agents, they're amazing. So I'm not saying anything negative, but you're anytime in any situation, you're going solely off the advice of somebody of somebody who has something to gain by selling you something, that's not always a smart idea if you don't have an existing relationship with this person. You definitely want to go there yourself, experience it, and verify that that's actually what's going on. And uh, and the reality is, is if you're about to spend a ton of money investing in a real estate property and you can't spend the money to buy a ticket to go fly there and experience it yourself, it's probably not time for you 
to invest in a vacation rental because you definitely need to have that experience as the guest going there to be able to deliver that to somebody else and know what you're buying. Yeah, well, you you touched on things like um, uh, attractions and you know go and see what's in the area, what's drawing in the mm-hmm. the traveler. So, what sort of things would you be looking for? Yeah, so you want to find out, like for example. In the town, I'll bring back to Crested Butte. What's the reason people are going there? Okay, there's a, there's ski lifts, there's skiing there, and that's why people come and stay there. In this little town that you drove through, there could be. I mean, it's Arizona. I don't I don't really know what was there, but there could be something there like museums or an event that happens every year, uh, stuff like that. And and you want to know what people are going there for, and and when they're going, and who's going there, like Coachella. I know that Coachella brings in a ton of people to that market. I think it's, I'm not quite sure which market, Palm Desert or something like that out in California, but that's a huge event that brings in, I think, millions of people. And um, in Orlando, we have the ESPN uh, Sports Center that brings in all of the cheerleading teams and the soccer teams and all of those people coming to the market. And these are the, these are the things that affect your rates. These are the things that you can prepare for and and understand better before you buy it as to who you're going to be marketing to and why they're there to begin with. So you want to do your, your research on the events happening there and the attractions that are local within driving distance to this market. I mean, what brought you there? You know, that's the kind of stuff you want to look at. Yeah, absolutely. And the other things that the other things that come to mind is, you know, we, we, we often think that it's just events and entertainment sites, theatres, music halls, whatever, uh, those sorts of attractions. But other things can make a property really attractive. It could be a college town. Mm-hmm. It could be a teaching hospital. And it's interesting that you hear so many of these uh, people buying uh properties near hospitals and particularly whether they're, where they're big teaching hospitals where people are coming and going all the time and and staying for short lengths of time oh yeah that's a really good one and the college one too um i know that that's a really a really good niche within the vacation rental niche and a lot of these college towns where you can legally operate short-term rentals because you have the parents coming to visit the kids all the time. You have big events happening at the school all the time. You have teachers coming in and out, training, different things like that. The college one is a great niche within the vacation rental niche for sure. Yes. And, you know, once you start thinking that way, you start to look at places a little bit differently. I remember talking to Tyann Marsink about a property she bought, and I think it was the one she bought in um, Union, Missouri. The big attraction there was a, a massive local business park. Oh, cool. And, of course, that's catering to business people coming and going all the time and you know, coming in for meetings. And nowadays, they, they don't want to stay in the sterile hotel anymore. Right. So, so that, that's another thing to look at, you know, what, what is bringing people there? And if, if it's a business park bringing business people, well, then that's just as good as a sports stadium or a theater or a concert venue. Absolutely. As long as there's something there to bring people in, you're, you're going to be set. I love the, the whole business park concept because then you can really cater your property to the business traveler. And the business traveler is great because most of the time they're either at an event doing something during the day or they're on their computer the whole time working. You don't have to worry about parties and stuff like that. Yes, I like that too. But it's, uh, you know, it, it's really interesting that it just seems to be in the last few years that we can start looking so much wider than, that, than the traditional vacationer. There's so many, oh. other, so many other people coming into these places. Oh, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I have friends that bought an empty barn and just this massive empty barn up in New York, upstate New York, and they converted it into a wedding venue and a little place inside where you can stay. And so now they're doing amazing with it, renting it out for wedding parties and then people staying the night there from the wedding. It's just so cool what they did with it. I would have never thought of doing that in their small little market, but it's one of the only venues now in that small little market to hold a wedding. So they're always booked because there's not a lot of options in the town they're in to do wedding, to have wedding venues. Yeah, it it just really is exciting that the options now are are huge, are massive. And just, I I was driving, we were driving through on I-20 through Texas a couple of weeks ago. And there's a town there called Midland, Texas. And it is right in the center of, of the oil fields. 
Oh. And, you know, I-20 goes past just, it's, it's just oil fields and companies servicing the oil fields right, left and centre. And then there's this town called Midland, which is about, it's not, not that far off I-20. You could sort of see it from the road. And I thought, yeah, I can't, I can't actually think of anybody who might come here. <laughs> and then, so I, you know, as I do, I went on to Airbnb and home away and had a look to see if there were any properties there. And I also had a look at the town of Midland itself. And it really is another vibrant community. But there's, I was looking at some of the reviews on the properties in Midland that are on home away. And the reviews were saying, you know, we, we came down to stay for a few days with our son who is working in the oil fields. We had Thanksgiving with our dad. And you start oh, to think, ah, oh. oh, this is what's bringing people in. Because, yeah. because there's people out here on the oil fields working for months on end and owners have seen this, that there is a need for accommodation for families so the families can come down and have time with their loved ones in that area. So I found that quite fascinating. That is fascinating. It's like the Bach in North Dakota, those oil towns, they really do bring in family. I didn't even think about that. Well, in Wellington, Florida, this is not oil, but it's another interesting small niche like this. Um, my dad lives in Wellington, Florida. Him and my stepmom, they own two properties there and they use them for equestrian rentals. And what happens is, is there's three months a year where the whole city gets mobbed with vac with equestrian renters that are coming in for polo season. So they're either competing in the polo um, tournaments or they're spectators, but it's polo season there. And it's the three months out of the year. And it's only in this one small town where this happens, the whole town gets mobbed and they can charge triple of what the monthly rent is for it for these short term rentals. And that's, it covers the cost and they make money for the whole year in those three months. And so you would really never know this. And if you didn't go and spend time in this market or learn about it, same like with the oil town you were just talking about. It's, there's so many of these little undiscovered niches throughout the country um, and in the world. I mean, it's so exciting. What a cool time to be involved. Oh, uh, yeah, abs absolutely. Yeah. Um, another thing that we didn't really touch on yet is looking at long-term equity appreciation and what the exit strategy could be. So that's another important thing that all investors should be looking at when they're thinking about investing in a town is okay, now I understand this is where I want to invest. Now I understand this is who's coming here, the attractions, et cetera. What's my exit strategy when I want to exit from the investment? Is there a market here of people I can sell this to? Um, I'm going to have built up a lot of rental income, a business, tons of business goodwill, uh, you know, bookings, all of this. There's going to be a value to that, which we won't get into too deep on this one, but uh, I know we've talked about it before in other ones, how to value that. But there's an exit strategy plan that you'll want to have going into it so that you know that when you go to sell it, there's a market there that you can promote. You, you can promote that market as in the investment opportunity. You can show and prove that that investment market is a, a worthy market to invest in and sell your home at the premium that it should be sold for based on all the hard work you put into it, building a business out of it. So if you go into a market where it's kind of, it's a cute little quaint town, there's a lot going on, uh, there's renters and whatnot, but when you go to sell it, there's really not a pool of investors or, or somebody to sell it to other than a residential buyer, you know, you're probably going to get out of it, whatever the today's market, then the market value is during that time you sell it. If you're in a market with a strong investment presence of where investors are looking, you know, then you have the opportunity when you exit to make your money back on the, um, the property for what you put into it, not just the property value. But you can also, again, if you've done a great job with the investment, you can package it as an investment deal so, and, and create the opportunity there for investors. So think about your exit strategy when you're also looking to invest. How are you going to get out of it if you have to get out of it? Who are you going to sell it to? Are you going to lose money? Can you be able to sell it as an investment? All of that. That's a that's a really important point because I think people yeah. can get carried away sometimes with the you know the romance of, of of the little town with the neat houses and and not really thinking beyond the moment. But it's right. it's, it's such an important point. And with as with anything, is to start with the end in mind. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, 100%. Um, because anything you get invested into, you may need to get out of at some point. So you'd hate to, it, it'd be terrible for you to get involved and then put all that time and money into it and then not be able to sell it. So 
I mean, yeah, and the only way to really know how that's going to turn out is to be able to predict the future, right? And nobody can do that. But if you stick with markets that have uh, pretty much a strong a strong amount of buyers looking there to buy, not just for investment, but for residential as well, you should be able to build a good case when you sell it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best case you, you can build is this is the supply and demand in my market. My home is one of the best performing ones. And, and But when you buy, we don't want to talk too much about selling, but when you buy, think about how you're going to start that from the beginning to build and get to that so that you do have a good investment model when you do go to sell it. So, so what, we've, what we've talked about here is, is all the things that, that you know, and sensible things that an investor needs to do to get into the right market, to, to not be impacted by legislation, and also to have an exit strategy too. So is there, yeah. any, is there anything else that we need to we need to cover? I, w- I want to have a little bit of a talk about Sevra and, and what we're doing, just in case we do have any real estate agents listening. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we covered the most important parts. I, I truly think that any investor is serious about investing in a market. They would be very safe to just connect with a Sevra agent. They'll know what to do. They'll know what's going on. We've personally trained them, and they're plugged into the network. They'll be able to help. I think we covered, though, almost everything really for somebody just looking to get involved in a vacation rental, where to start. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, you know, it, you know, they can find out if they're looking to invest, they can find out more, of course, by going to rolio.com. That site is going to grow exponentially once you do that hard launch. Yeah, for sure. And we have a lot of regulation data on there that will help save investors a lot of time in that initial search part. And then obviously our curated inventory. But any any questions about investing, we're happy to be there to answer. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah, so on the, on the topic of, of Sevra, because we've mentioned it, you know, of numerous occasions in this, in this short chat. Do you want to just give a quick description on what the Certified Vacation Rental Agent Project is all about? Sure. So there's a lot of designations out there for agents that they can have right now. And you'll notice the little numbers and letters behind their name on the business card, and nobody really knows what they mean. Um, those are all different courses agents had to take to learn about something. What's interesting is there's no course out there that teaches them specifically about vacation rental investing. It doesn't exist right now. The closest they can get to it is the RSPS by NAR, which, and of course, I'm not saying anything negative about the course, but is not comprehensive and really doesn't go into detail at all about short-term rental investing. Um, our course, the Certified Vacation Rental Agent, goes into deep, deep, deep parts of vacation rental investing. We get into numbers, formulas, evaluations, all of that, so that it's the most comprehensive training an agent can get on short-term rental investing. And it plugs them into a network of agents around the world doing the same. So it's a very powerful, powerful education that you won't find anywhere else for real estate agents. I'm very proud of what we've built, Heather. I think that, um, honestly, I, I think we've over-delivered for sure. And investors benefit from this tremendously because now they don't have to worry about going out there and dealing with agents that don't know what they're doing. And agents benefit from this as well because now they have the education that they've been lacking for so long and putting all the pieces together on how to sell this. So it's just an incredible program. I'm really proud of it. And I think it's going to help a lot of people and help bridge the gap in this industry. Yeah, me too. I mean, I know we uh, we kicked this off in 2015, which is when we yeah. we got together and decided that we should do this and team up with you as the real estate agent with all your experience and me as the investor and property manager with with all that experience and to bring those two minds together to create something that is I'm blowing our own trumpets here so knowledgeable because we have so much knowledge yeah and it what a waste it would be not to do something with it and put it out there Um, I'm honored to be able to work with you on this Heather I respect you so much you're one of the most highly respected people in the industry and you've brought so much to the table in this course and I'm just so thrilled to have been a part of it with you And, and honestly I just I really believe that it's a major piece that's been lacking. So now that it's here, I think it's really going to change a lot of things for agents and investors. I said that before, but I really believe that because the education just wasn't out there. And one of the biggest problems I had as an agent was my clients 
They're wonderful clients. I love working with them. They buy houses all over. They don't just buy a house in my market. They're buying houses in my market. They're buying them in other markets. I don't have, I never had agents I could refer them to that I trusted would be able to take care of them the way I was taking care of them because there really wasn't a lot of agents out there or that I could even find. I'm sure they were there. I just couldn't find them and they couldn't find me doing this. So I was at a loss when my clients would come to me and say, Hey, um, do you have an agent in such and such market? Because I want to also buy another vacation rental there. And that was a struggle for me. A lot of times when I had uh, to turn them over to an agent, I ended up having to coach the agent to work with my client. It was, it was crazy. Because there was no education. Mm-hmm. Well, there is now. And yeah. uh, and people are going to be hearing more about this over the next um, month or two as, as we, we move towards a launch, which is going to happen very, very shortly. Yes, I can't wait. I am so excited. We worked so hard on this. So it's going to be great. And I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Erica, thank you so much for, for, giving, for, for giving me your time today and to, uh, to, just to share your incredible knowledge of investment in short-term rental. Back at you with the compliments. You have so much knowledge and I'm just as proud to work with you. Thanks, Heather. It's such an honor. Thanks for having me on. It's, it's great. I will see you um, next week at the Vacation Rental Women's Summit. Can't wait. Oh, looking forward to it. That's going to be another big, big, big thing happening. So I'm excited. I'll see you then. Thanks, Erica. Bye. That was so great. Erica is such a powerhouse of knowledge and enthusiasm for this business. You know, she's been doing this for for 18 years or so and and has been in the in the vacation rental side of the real estate business for all that time. You know, some for for a real estate agent in uh, Orlando, you can't really miss out on it but she has made it a profession and a career and and it certainly shows her knowledge is great as i said really proud to be working with her on uh, the certified vacation rental agent course that is going to be launched in the next few weeks you will be hearing more about it uh, if you know of a real estate agent you think would benefit we'd love it if you would share information with them. So, you know, let me know of any agents you'd like us to um, to connect with. That would be fantastic. If you have any questions at all about buying or selling a vacation rental, then you can direct them to Erica. She will respond to you and and she will help us as much as she can. If you're going to the Vacation Rental Women's Summit next week, in New Orleans, then you will see both Erica and myself uh, delivering presentations at that event and uh, other events throughout the year. So I'd just like to thank you once again for listening. It's always a pleasure to be with you and I'll see you again next week. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.